guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo fraser it's time for a mojo injection episode 103 it's so nice to have you here you're welcome all the time this is a safe place where we keep it real we chat we hook up your mojo and you know i was saying in this episode that we all get different things from a discussion and a session um and that's cool because what one person needs another may need something else and when you go into a chat prepared to learn something or with an open mind um i always think that's pretty magic um and there were a few nuggets through this discussion for me um so i hope you've had a really good week um sorry if that sounds a bit positive uh with everything that's going on right now but i hope you've had moments in the day where you can be still and enjoy yourself and forget about the craziness of the world um i had a great day on wednesday i went out to north berwick caught up with a friend walked all around the beach and then had a podcast with a great lady called Bernadette. Um, you'll be hearing more of that. Um, and went for a sea swim and oh, just the power of nature. Just being able to get out when you can, if you need to breathe the elements or if it's a sunny day, just get out and escape everything else that's going on. Just make sure you can do that um, and you take that time every day. Tune into what you need and then listen and go to the beach, go for a walk, take a call outside. Just do something that's good for you. So, shall we get ready to jump into this podcast? This week we're talking about charisma and my guest is called Sebastian Walls um, or Seb. Um, and he's a professional people person, an entrepreneur and a charisma coach. Um, he started off his career in the BBC and he's got a first class business and sales qualification. He's currently a podcaster and has been promoting his charisma masterclass online. He's since travelled the world teaching the power of charisma to increase confidence and leadership skills to be more memorable and have a killer first impression. Um, his passion is to show you how you can do all those things as well as building rapport um, online, making meaningful connections and having expert conversations to make you more interesting all through the power of charisma. And I was a bit sceptical at first. I was like, well, does charisma not take you away from yourself? And you always say you look for people's character and not the charm. But actually, Seb makes some really good points here about how the work he does as a coach is helping people to be more of themselves and more authentic. I really, really enjoyed this discussion. Um, you can catch up with Seb at theartofcharisma.com um, and he's on Instagram at artofcharisma. So um, let's jump in, let's get Seb on. Let's talk about charisma and power and charm and Oh, there was a really funny line he used, um, um, ethical manipulation, that had me laughing. Um, but yeah, interesting episode, so let's jump in. Mm-hmm. Right, Seb, so welcome to the Mojo Injection. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I am particularly excited about this particular podcast, so it's going to be a fantastic one. Oh, what is it about this podcast that excites you? 
Well, I get really passionate about talking to people about charisma because it's my specialist subject and giving little people little tips and tricks on how they can improve their charisma in all aspects of their life. So I think there's going to be a few nuggets throughout this one. I've got a good feeling about it. Oh, well, mojo, magic, charisma. I guess there's a little bit of mojo in that. I mean, charisma, what's the other thing? It's like power, charm. Those were the words that I wrote down when I was thinking about the word charisma. Like, what does the word charisma mean to you? Mm, the word charisma is such a hard way to describe. It. What is it to describe? What is it, you know, for me personally, it's an idea of individuality. So everyone has their own unique style of charisma. I think charisma over the years has had a pretty bad rap, to be honest with you, mainly because there's been some infamously charismatic people throughout history who have been particularly bad, but equally there's been some infamously charismatic people who have been insanely good. So for me, it's all about individuality coupled with being as authentic as possible. And that's what charisma means to me, because some people always look at charisma and go, oh, it's the most loudest, boisterous, extroverted person in the room. But that is not, that's a complete myth. It doesn't matter how reserved you are or how outlandish you are, you can have your own unique style of charisma. You know, I think we can all think of likes of that quiet guy in the corner, quite suave, you know, looking over, I mean, maybe being on the sort of outskirts of a situation, but he still is oozing with charisma. And the same style that you see a man, you know, being the life and soul of the party, telling all the jokes, he also has his own unique style of charisma. And even between men and women, they, they, they have their own style as well. So it's a, it's a real fascinating topic. But for me, the key bit is being as individual as you can, being authentic, being genuine. That's the key aspects of charisma. I love that. What does it mean? You, you kind of touched a little bit on uh, you know, power. You know, it's, is that, do you always associate charm with leaders? Or? I think power to me is like when you own who you are. So very similar thinking there. Um, I, I've been in situations and sometimes there's pressure for me to be the life and soul of the party because I've got a very wild side. <laughs> but I also have a very, very calm, quiet, quietly confident side. So sometimes friends haven't liked it when I'm really calm, if they're wanting to see that loud side to perhaps deflect yeah. from how they're feeling or whatever, like I'm not a performing monkey, you know, and hear people say <laughs> that. And I, I very much love like one-on-one -on -one conversations, deep conversations, but also I can have a laugh and just be silly, mm -hmm. clown around. And um, so I, I think, like owning who you are. I think that's really interesting what you say about being authentic because there'll be so many people that are living lives from learned behavior and it's not really who they are at the core of it. And I think when you step in to your, like I've worked with coaches in the past and I had an amazing coach um, who I worked with before my book launch and she was mm -hmm. You know, getting me to visualize stepping into who I am when I'm up there talking and stuff and I've used some of those techniques when I've coached other speakers and they love the visualization of seeing how they're going to you know be themselves on stage and, and really getting them to believe that they are enough as they are and mm. um, so I would I would say along those lines. Back me up in that, yeah I mean you touched on a, a few bits there and one of the things that 
you know, the challenges we have when we speak to people is that I think throughout years, and you'll probably have this when you cross come across clients and businesses and all sorts of that, the phrase, the two phrases is kind of a bit challenging is fake it till you make it. And that's probably sometimes the, the, the worst advice you can give someone because if you're not like naturally a person that thrives in a, for example, a networking environment, if you're going to put yourself in there and think that you can just wax lyrical and you can skim through, you might have a degree of success, but ultimately you'll get found out. It's quite similar with the um, advice of say yes to everything. You know, we feel like, oh, right, I'll say yes to this networking event and that business speaker and, you know, this social gathering. You know, you actually want to find positions and situations that you're going to thrive in and be the best version, the most authentic version of yourself. So when you're thinking about how do I turn on the charm, think about situations that you're really, you really thrive in. So some people are excellent at house parties or dinner parties or birthday parties. And then there's others that thrive at conferences and networking events and speaker gatherings. So, you know, if you can analyze where do you actually thrive and you can actually go to more of those things and be more authentic, more genuine, and overall you're gonna be happier. If you don't particularly like, you know, dinner parties, yes, it's great to go in for a social lives, but if you're looking to try and build up a bit of a network, build up a social circle, but you get really, you know, awkward, a bit anxious in those situations, you may wanna start limiting and actually going to places where you would actually more enjoy it, to be honest with you. And the other bit of advice we hear quite a lot is, you know, be yourself. And as much as that's fantastic advice, we're not telling people not to be themselves, but we're trying to analyze, okay, for us, it's all about having competence. Mm -hmm. So being good in certain situations, being able to have good conversations, being able to make a good first impression while coupled with confidence. So being able to confidently have a good first impression, being confidently being able to hold yourself in a conversation. And so that coupled together will let you be, you know, a good version of yourself. So that's guess the kind of the two A's that we come into when people are coming to us, talking to us about charisma and things like that. That's sometimes the bad habits you have to kind of iron out a little bit. But I'd be interested to get your thoughts because I know we talked a little bit about, you know, in some situations, we feel very wild and in other situations we feel quite reserved. So I'd love to hear your experience. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was interesting what you said, you know, if you enjoy something or, you know, to say I was at a football match, I don't know loads about football, whereas my brothers do. So maybe I would feel a little bit, oh, I don't have the chat and stuff or the sides or, um, but for me, I think, um, I like to treat people the same wherever I go. So mm -hmm. that certainly yeah. helps me so that, you know, maybe I'm at a networking event that I feel really uncomfortable because it's a bit too formal or something. Maybe focus on, you know, a few smaller, more quality connections, you know, um, because, I, or even like walking into a party where you don't know many people. Um, you know, there's lots of different scenarios we can feel and it depends on your mood that day as well because you could have feel like that you've got great charisma and you're being authentic but perhaps you're having an off day or you're hormonal or you're just exhausted and you have to go somewhere mm -hmm. um that can be hard so it's probably like going easy on yourself and you know if you need to leave early or you know dropping the pressure a little bit 
Absolutely. I think it's something that I would back you up 110% with is the fact is that if you're having an off day, there's absolutely no problem being reserved, come back, watch Netflix, do the things that you do enjoy doing. Because ultimately, as long as you enjoy what you're doing, and you're happy doing it, you're going to put your best foot forward, relatively speaking. But the other bit that I wanted to pick up on was you were talking the example about a football match. Don't worry, Joe, you're in the exact that same boat is lots of people who find themselves in situations where they don't know a lot about a topic or they're not that interested in a particular topic or, you know, they're trying to, you know, balance this kind of debate. Well, what do I talk about? And it's quite a common thing, especially when you're trying to build up an element of charisma or build up a little bit of rapport with someone. So if you don't mind, I've got a little bit of an example, a little bit of a story. I was working with someone who was trying to get a mentor. He was starting up a business and he was looking to try and get a mentor to try and help him project him through with success. And he met for lunch and the lunch went fantastic. And then at the end of the lunch, the mentor turned to the gentleman and went, so do you like football? And he hated football. He had no idea about anything to do with football. And he was really wanting to please this man. He was really trying hard to build a connection with him. And he felt like if he said no, he would, have, he would then like break the relationship down. And that's not always the case. The point of the matter is you don't always have to enjoy that sport or, you know, I've seen that movie or I've read that particular book that this person is talking to you about to build a connection with someone, to build up a little bit of rapport. So, for example, in the situation where you're up against someone that you're trying to impress or trying to build a relationship with, what can you do to build a connection when you're not that knowledgeable about a subject? Well, the key point here is the reason why he was asking about football wasn't because he was actually interested in football. It's because this mentor was passionate about something. So humans don't really connect great over numbers, facts, or figures, but we connect well over emotions. So if you can think of something that you are interested in and you are passionate about, you can actually bring that in and build rapport over both having an interest in something. So for example, if he said, I love football. Do you, are you interested in football? You could actually turn around and say, you know what? I actually am clueless about football. However, I absolutely love rugby. I was watching the Six Nations last week. I don't suppose if you caught it. Or you could actually build on that at all and say, actually, I don't enjoy football, but you sound really interested in it. Tell me, what is it about it that you find so interesting? And then let them talk about this particular passion they've got. So you don't necessarily need to say, yes, I do. Yes, I don't. And feel like, you know, you've sucked the air out of the conversation just because you don't necessarily like or enjoy what they like and enjoy. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I, I'm sure I can think of cases over the years where I've been caught off guard and say, oh, do you like this? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, why did you say that? Like, I don't like that. What? Why did I say that? Like, where, where does that come from? Is it like a fear of being um, judged? Is it like, what's that all about? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's a, an inherent human thing of wanting to be liked by other people people wanting to feel comfortable especially if it's someone that we're, we're trying to build a relationship with whether it's someone senior like a manager and we want them to get on side or we're looking to try and build a, a, a friendship circle you know we humans bond over things that we both like and we can see that in our own social circles you know we like, we like hanging out with people who have similar interests passions quirks that we have and so when someone says you know, are you, do you like this or have you seen this film and then you have to say no it's not necessarily a good feeling but actually, you don't necessarily need to have that feeling. That person on the other end isn't going to judge you immediately and go, this person doesn't like football. No way am I ever going to do business with them. I'm never going to hang out with them. I'm never going to do that again. 
So have, just not necessarily putting people on a pedestal is quite key. They're just interested in something. And from their perspective, they just want to move a conversation forwards. But you're going to be able to give them a lot of more opportunities to talk because you're just going to share a common interest and in just being passionate about something. So, That's a really good yeah. tip for people. I mean, for you, what, what was your why? Because you're obviously very passionate about helping people to, to find their authentic selves and, and be mm. more relaxed in these situations without having to put on an act and pretend. That's what I love about it. It's not like, because you, you hear these quotes like, look for a character, not charisma. And charisma's <laughs> had a bit bad press, right? Because you sort of think it's people conning you or, or you know, yeah. and it's, it's not that way at all it's just stepping into your own truth and um you know yeah. being able to influence persuade others is a key part of business career personal life we do it every day without actually knowing you know think of a time when you were a student and you wanted to go out and party and you said come on guys let's all go out and then they were like no no we don't we're skin we can't and then you go no it's gonna be great you're influencing and persuading them to come to your way of thinking and whether you're trying to sell a product or service, you're trying to influence and persuade that person to essentially buy from you. So it is skills that we use throughout it. But charisma, very much like money, very much like power, it can be used for good, it can be used for evil. So, you know, it is a form of manipulation, but it's ethical manipulation. That's what we like to see it as. Um, you know, so it's, it's all the all the charm without the tricks, essentially. That's what we, we, we kind of go over. So it's not about you know, convincing someone to do something for you and, you know, get them to do evil stuff. It's more just about you being yourself, being more confident, being a better leader, being able to manage people a lot better and understanding personality traits. So that's what it's about. But to answer your question, my why, I uh, spent over 10 years working in the luxury sales market, very intense, hardcore sales environments. And throughout there, I, I gained numerous qualifications on how to get people to buy, how to get people to build rapport, how to build a relationship with someone. And ultimately that's what led to me to being successful within those sort of sales roles. And then I did a little element of traveling and I came back to Edinburgh and I was running social events for millennials. I was running like networking social events. I said they were networking. They started off networking and as the night got on, the naughty kids came out and it was dancing on the tables and it was all about you know having fun and getting to know people. Now, at these events, I was the, the host. I had to sort of keep it all together. But when I was speaking to these young people, people would come up to me and go, you know, I really struggled just, just to physically come to this building and socialize. Like, it's a big, it was a big ask. And for someone like myself, who's naturally, you know, someone who likes to go out and, and socialize, it, you know, it was almost like I didn't even realize that some other people were having these sort of trials and tribulations with themselves to go, oh, I don't really want to go out, but I know I have to. And even when I was there, people were saying, you know, I never come across well. I always put my foot in it. I always get tongue-tied. I have countless awkward silences. And for me, that's where the, the why come from, because I was seeing these people that I was, you know, making friends with and that they were struggling. And then that's when I was like, right, okay, something's, you know, something's got to be done here. Like, you know, it's not necessarily enough to be, I'd hate to think that people are actually qualified in a job and have the relevant experience, but are letting themselves down because they just can't build a connection with someone on the other side of the table. And I can think of countless other opportunities I've missed out because my face didn't fit, which is a common phrase here, or because that person had a friend who you know they liked better and then they gave them the opportunity. So 
now it's where they've been on this sort of mission to go right now um, enough's enough and um, we need to all start be building better relationships with people because we're able to we're able to bring people around to our way of thinking we can influence leaders i mean an example like marcus rashford who not necessarily the loudest person in the room but has you know has been oozing with charisma and has actually been able to change the way of thought leaders to you know offer kids free school meals and things like that and then we look at other people throughout history who have made a stand you know infamously charismatic women you know the black lives matter movement all these people who are kind of associated with these organizations had to have a degree of charisma so that people could listen to them and they can get their ideas across as much as it could be the best idea in the world you know if you're not able to get people inside that's where the challenges start i like that so you have you like what has this journey like going into this like what has it taught you what have been like the key lessons from the people that you're working with to to release this and help them to connect better the biggest challenge that we've had, well, there's been a few different, I'm going to touch on a few, sorry, apologies, Jojo, I'll, I'll, no, I'll no, go over a little bit. The, the, show up fully, as, as we say. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the, the three sort of big things is, one of it's is mindset. That's been the, the sort of real biggest challenge. Uh, people come in with a certain mindset or a certain perception of how their lives are going and how they kind of conduct themselves. So being able to change a mindset is sometimes really hard. The other one that's difficult is creating good habits. So to go back to the example of, of going out into a social event where you feel like, oh no, it's very easy to tell yourself, I wanna sit in and watch Netflix and eat pizza on a Friday night. And don't get me wrong, that's pretty amazing. And I love those nights as well. But actually to build a relationship with someone, you're actually gonna to have to put yourself out there and go out and be able to turn on the charm, so to speak. So creating a habit that you're able to go out, meet people, and then not only that, turn on the charm is something that can be quite, quite challenging. And then the other side of it is probably more of a culture, a business culture thing. And it probably does apply within the uh, COVID restrictions we've got now is that I've been speaking to a lot of managers who get on really well with the bosses above them. For example, you know, if you're like a, a, a sort of middle manager, and you're managing a sales team or a marketing team or whatever it could be, you know, you'll have maybe once or twice a month, a one-to-one with the person above you. And the conversation that you'll have with that person will be, are you on track to hit target? Are you hitting target? And that'll be it. It'll be more of a facts and figures conversation. And if you're hitting target, then brilliant. And then that's the end of it. You won't, you won't ever hear from them. However, we believe that there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of cash and a lot of success left on the table because even though that manager is hitting the target the staff beneath them are miserable they could be working more efficiently they could be actually hitting you could be over exceeding on the targets and so these are things you go well actually if you look at it you'll actually be able to be great more successful than you are just by hitting the targets if you're able to get junior members of the team to get on site people want to like you because at the end of the day as much as we'd all love to think that you know I, uh, apprentice or a receptionist who's working for six, seven pound an hour is going to go above and above beyond the call of duty for the business. As much as we all like to think that in 2020, it's not always the case. So people are going to go do things for people with more effort, with more enthusiasm, if they like the people that they're working with and they're working for. And so that's where the key element is, is that you could actually be becoming more successful if you're just off that. So that's probably the one thing I've learned. I didn't realize that there's such an emphasis on the numbers. 
actually see if we can kind of pivot that and focus more on people, the numbers will actually take care of themselves because people will want to hit it because they like working for you. So yeah. there was a lot there, to be honest. And to be, I don't think the problem's going to get solved. It's a quite a big culture thing, and I understand it, how there's a lot of things there. But if we look at really successful like football managers, or if we look at successful you know, celebrities or actors or actresses, you know, very rarely do they talk about how many, they do say they put in lots of effort, but there was a degree of personality that really kind of projected them into their success. Yeah, I love that. And I like what you say about people buying. But I'd love to get your thoughts. I mean, as somebody who's about, I know you are. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, the old school is the best school. That's what they used to say. So, you know, these phrases have all come from, you know, elements of truth. So if we are able to get people on side, you know, we're going to be able to have more degrees of success. I know it's a, but I sort of apologies keep going back to the football scenario, but if you're like a Sir Alex Ferguson, and then, you know, somebody who had great, you know, gravitas and great leadership and I do, I would say charisma, people worked hard for him. And then if we flip that to something more modern, somebody who was in the, a similar position, Jose Mourinho, who was infamously charismatic, but wasn't able to get the players on side. And so that's where ultimately his demise came from because people didn't really want to work from him and people weren't really forward. So that's, I guess, is a, a prime example of times where we've gone, this, this is not working. And you can see that in businesses, you could see it in all aspects of life where you go, something's not right here. Yeah, I mean, Trump's a great example, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, but... a, it's a interesting one with Trump because the Oxford d- definition is being able to inspire devotion and loyalty to you from someone else. And I must say, like the people who, if you're a, you know, a Trump supporter, a Trump fan, you're dedicated, you're in the camp, you're loyal, you know, you're, there's no change in your mind. So you could argue, does he have a degree of charisma down to the, you know, down to the fact that that's the definition? I'll be interested to get your thoughts. He's got a lot of ego, but then we all have, we all have ego. I think he's very good at tapping into the ego of others. Um, I think this, from my personal opinion, there's quite a lot of ego that comes through. Um, but... I've been doing the work to sort of keep tabs on the ego. Like that's a lot of the mindfulness stuff we do. And, um, you know, the ego is great to get us out of bed and and to get us, you know, getting those dopamine hits and to achieve Mm. and stuff. And we need it as human beings. But I've done a lot of the the kind of deeper work too. So I I can almost laugh at the ego sometimes. Um, So I, I would say it's about awareness. It's where you're at. You can only meet people where they're at. Um, and I can see, because I've done all of this work, I can see, like, I just feel so much ego coming, you know, because he's, you know, and I did this and this way, and I'm all, and I'm the best at this, and I'm great at this, and, um, and yeah, you want people to have confidence in you as a leader, mm, yeah. that you can get the job done, and I think people that love him are like, he gets the job done, and he's, you know, and that is important. Um, but I think intentions are, are really important as well. So, you know, a lot of people see Trump as just, you know, he's, he doesn't care about the sustainability of the planet. He just cares about money. And I, I think it's really important as a leader that first you probably set what your intentions are and you know what you really want to do. Um, and, and then I guess you're going to get loyal connections through that because if they know what your values and your intentions are, 
then that's a great start, isn't it? You, yeah. And then it's showing how you kind of live those values and those intentions, but know as well that, that you've got to stay humble about it as well and that we do slip up, we do make mistakes as humans, leaders make mistakes. And I think it's really, really important for leaders to admit when they've made a mistake. But I, like, I, I don't see Trump as a person that would be quick to stand up in front of millions and admit that he'd made a mistake. And there's probably a bit of that lacking, a bit of that mindfulness there, that self-awareness of, yeah, just that we're all humans and, you know, we're all equal. Yes, um, yeah, absolutely. You know? And Trump's, Trump's such a funny one because we've had a few people come to us and talk to us about Trump as far as like charisma goes. And the thing is, is that you could argue, is he really authentic? Because I believe 100% that he believes everything he's saying is 100%. So to a degree, like, well, if it's all about, you know, being authentic, you know, it, it, you know what you see is what you get. And I do believe that he believes without any chance I doubt that he's you know the man for the job or whatever it could be but Trump's a, a great example and what I, one of the two things he does really well as far as you know winning hearts and mind getting people on side is the fact that you kind of touched on it there charisma essentially with the science of it is that that dopamine this chemical in our brain that gets released through eating chocolate and you know uh, doing things we'd like is it quite easily to release in another person and so when we get talked about charisma, for us, it's about releasing someone else's dopamine, which can get done relatively straightforward. So I think Trump is a master at releasing mass dopamine on a huge scale. And as humans, naturally, we like things that can release this chemical because we like and we, we want more of it essentially and so when you see him at his rallies you know it's always music playing it's always loud he's he's hitting on the keywords that gets people excited that gets people happy that you know it changes because if you've had a really troubled life or you've had you know you've come from the ghetto or you've had trials and tribulations and he's telling you all the things that you want to you know the good things that's going to start releasing that chemical there and then so just naturally people are going to want more of it and people are going to get hungry for it and so that's where it comes from the other thing that he does really well is his hand gestures. Now, someone who's done TED Talks, you know the importance of hand gestures. He does it really well, and it kind of boils down to this sort of old school, sort of neuroscience thing when we were all cave people, is that when we were cave people, we would have our tribe, and if another tribe came to us, we'd look at people's hands, and if they were holding a spear or a rock, we'd know this person is either a friend or a foe. And so he uses his hand gestures, he keeps it always visible, and that's just like a really simple thing that your listeners could do today is just show their hands more. So if you think of it back, if you ever seen a toddler hold something behind their back, you always are a little bit suspicious. You're like, what have you got there? And so this is why it's really important to use hand gestures. We give a lot of weight to hand gestures as humans, because like it or not, we judge people within the first couple of seconds. And so that's just a really simple way you can start being charismatic just straight from the get-go with no necessarily idea of being like personality or any of the science behind it. It's just a really nice way to start going, right, okay, I'm not going to have my hand in my pockets. I'm going to have it out. And when I'm telling a story, I'm going to use a little bit more gestures so I can see it because we trust people when they have their hands. And that's been the biggest challenge if you're like during this time, if you're trying to go for a job and a lot of job interviews are happening on Zoom or on Teams, we have our hands down and we, we, we try to get our head and shoulders in. But actually, just by having our hands in shot is going to make you kind of release those sort of 
trusting hormones that people can see. So really simple ways that you can like, you know, stop being more charismatic today. I was told when I'm on stages, and this will probably be different for, yeah, yeah, online talks, because you need to know where your hands, but you're saying if your hands are too high, you can block people. So it, you, and a good way is like standing and having them down a bit, but your palms open. So you're like inviting them in, like, come in. <laughs> yes. Because I always do like, yeah, and then, and then, and then, and then, get really passionate and really excited. And then I had a good tip as well. It was like, right, you're speaking to say I'm speaking for 15 minutes. Now I've done our talks where I've kept like so much passion throughout and it's exhausting because like you feel what you're saying and you believe it and you're getting people in, but for an hour, like, oh my goodness, it's such hard work. Cause you're like, yeah. But um, the advice was that even if I'm doing like a 15 minute talk to, to really focus on a few words that, you want to emphasize but try and tone down the excitement for some of it rather than the whole story but you watch people like tony robbins and stuff and um he's like i've watched him do a ted talk and it's the whole way (laughs) he does it the whole way through yeah 100 miles an hour and sometimes people, when we get people who are really new to the whole idea, they're almost a bit overwhelmed because they're like, oh my God, I need to be like Tony Robbins, for example, and I need to be like oozing with enthusiasm. And it's great to show enthusiasm. However, you know, if it's not naturally, you know, being the, the most boisterous person there, it's not necessarily all about that. You know, being able to just to hold yourself, manage your body position, use your hands a little bit more, being able to have really good conversations with people, you know, these are all really small things. It doesn't matter whereabouts in the spectrum you are, whether you've given hundreds of presentations or you've given none, like it's, it's still all in the same, same category. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Actually, as you, as you start to boil it down and as we talk more and more charisma, more and more becomes this less enigma thing. It becomes much more of a really broken down skill set that you can actually use, practice, even hone to a point where you could actually do it fairly effortlessly because it just becomes a natural part of you so rather than seeing it as something you know mythical i mean the greeks back through mythology they called charisma a divine gift which i i I, first of all i loved that i thought a divine gift amazing but they believed that it was this like supernatural power but actually that makes it seem that it's this almost unattainable thing reserved only for lucky people who just happen to have it but actually if you're able to just to hone a couple of small tweaks and techniques, you could actually be putting yourself on a way to becoming more charismatic. So it's quite interesting. It's like, it goes back to your mindset. You know, I hear people say, oh, charisma, you're born with it or you, you're not. You either have it or you don't. You can't polish crap. Like, um, <laughs> and, and it's like, well, as a person with a growth mindset, one of those annoying people, <laughs> I would always be like, absolutely no like you can learn you you can learn to have charisma you can learn to connect with people you can learn to communicate and all this stuff i totally believe that yeah absolutely and the thing is with charisma which is i find fascinating is that it's quite identifiable like people know when other people have it like if you were to look at you said trump and you know boris johnson barack obama if i had to list up a, a range of influential people you would be able to point out the ones that would have charisma and the ones that wouldn't so how come is it that when we're looking at ourselves 
and trying to develop this like, literally soft skill, how it's almost at that, that point it becomes, oh, it's this indescribable thing. Yeah. So it's quite, it's really interesting. I mean, do you, can you think of like areas where you might think charisma could help you? Yeah, I mean, um, meeting people for the first time. Um, uh, I guess when you also get a sense, like I can feel energy really quite quickly. They say that comes with being an empath, but who's to say that we, we can, I mean, people can feel energy. When you walk in a room, you can feel energy. We're all energy, right? So, um, I've had cases where I've been working with people and some are just like, oh, Joe, we love you. Like, you're so, like, you just like, you've got this kind of energy. Um, and others are like, oh, I don't like that. Like, she's a bit intense or a bit too positive or whatever. And I can feel that. And I'm like, oh, they're really not enjoying this. Um, so sometimes that can be hard because the ego wants to take it personally. And, and then people will say to you, oh, they're just jealous. And then, that's not really productive though is it if you want to help people and you you don't want to create those barriers and i know it's like accepting not everyone will like you you know like some people love green tea i'm not a massive fan um doesn't mean green <laughs> tea, you know so it's not taking that personally but it's easier said than done so maybe in those situations where i feel the energy quite quickly that someone oh you don't want to come near. I guess that's probably can be a challenge, can't it? Mm, yeah, I think that some of the, the biggest challenge we've seen. Uh, we're working with um, quite a few young people, and that with schools and education, I think they're, they're transitioning from traditional subjects into new subjects like things like wellness, growth mindsets, soft skills, which are becoming more and more important. So some of the challenges we have, for example, if um, if you're wanting to become, I guess, a little bit more charismatic, it's all about how you have your body and making your body bigger, bigger. Because they did this research with Olympians and then when an Olympian became a gold medalist, they would like raise their hands up and they would like celebrate and they would make their chest huge. And that's the idea of a winner, a winner's body, they would call it. I don't, I don't really believe it should be a winner's body. But they also looked at people who became last and that their head was in their hands, their shoulders were hunched. And then as humans, when we're looking at people, we're trying to analyze if this person's a winner or a loser within our lives. And the challenge with that is, is that with technology, we look at our phones quite a lot, which naturally has this sort of loser's posture. And so that's why when you're dealing with a lot of young people who spend a lot of time with technology and don't see the ramifications of why that could affect them making a, a bad first impression, it can be quite can be quite difficult because you will look if your body's you're hunched over you're looking at even though you might see that looking at your phone somebody's looking at you and that might give the signals of that person's you know maybe not qualified or not experienced or just not interested and even when we've all managed a time of being present and with the phones on the table and we're looking up at it and i'm going yep 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 yeah 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 oh yeah great yeah 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 we can tell that people are not interested so when it comes to being more charismatic being present is, is really key and that's sometimes a bit of a challenge you have when you're trying to deal with young people and, and you know say like okay as much as technology is great and ultra benefit and you can use it to be more charismatic you need charismatic online but you know the effect of when we're actually physically with people the detriment effect of that as well it can kill can sort of kill your charisma a mix of that and then the COVID restrictions it's not really working in our favor is it? <laughs> yeah but you know it's it's one of those things where like 
building a social circle or building a network has, has also been pretty easy. I mean, a real example you could do, you know, if you're looking to make friends online, which is sometimes a bit of a challenge. As I, we were talking about this the other night there about how, you know, if you were to say, I'm looking for a boyfriend, I'm looking for a girlfriend. If you say that to your, you know, your friends or your family, that'd be quite a normal thing to do. But if you said, I'm looking to make more friends, you're almost dismissed as a saddle or a weirdo or like, that's a bit mad, that mate. But actually, in 2020, why is it bad and stigmatized that we're trying to make more friends widen our social circle? Because when we were growing up as kids, we had karate class and we had, you know, special subjects that we could go in and, and, and have a pipeline, a social pipeline already there. But actually, once we leave university and we're into the sort of corporate world or working in a nine to five, you know, the social circles do get small and people we say it's harder to make friends as an adult. Actually, if you're able to turn on your charm, turn on your charisma and put yourself out there, you can actually build friendships. I mean, a great example is really think about things that you're interested in or that you're curious of. For example, if you've got a real passion to go, right, during this lockdown, I want to get better at photography. You know, I've been planning in my head for years that I'm going to use the lockdown as an opportunity to do it. Use that as a chance to get on courses, join blogs, join forums, all these sort of things where people who are also interested in photography are going to be hanging out online. And actually, we all do this. And I'm sure you do it with some of your listeners as well. You actually start to recognize people's profiles and people's profile pictures. So you know, like Gary816, you know, you know, you get to know that. And actually, once you start to recognize those people, you can actually reach out and build up a little bit of a network for them. So once COVID restrictions do finish up, you've got a pipeline of friends to go out and speak to already instantly. So there's some, there's some pros and cons, I guess. I guess you can't get too close with people, but you know, it's not stopping anyone to go out, try and build a relationship with someone. Yeah, and I think it's very clear, like connection, and there's a stat that loneliness is more dangerous than, is it 15 cigarettes a day or something like that? Wow, wow I didn't even know that, but thank God I don't smoke. But uh, they, uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it, can, it can get challenging. Actually, young people are actually the most loneliness people always kind of put it in the camp of it's the older generation but young people have a lot of stresses of trying to get jobs trying to get on the housing market uh, you know transitioning from living in their mum and dad's house into a halls of residence or going from a halls of residence into their own flat so naturally young people are, are the loneliest people so you know we've got a lot of caring to do we've got a lot of trying to give it off a, a lot of support and covid's probably you know put that through hyperspeed, so to speak. I mean, I don't have any facts or things on that, but just from the consensus of what you're hearing is that, you know, people out there are sort of really kind of struggling with the, with the lockdown and loneliness is a, is a real yeah. thing. It's, so it's, um, it's, it's definitely going to be quite challenging. Eh? But uh, I would love to get your, your thoughts on like charisma in general. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's something that we could pick up a little bit more on or... You know, I know, I guess from your perspective, you know, the things that you do, does charisma tie into that or? Yeah, I, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense and about the skills as well, like that we can all work on that because we all, you know, like limiting beliefs and, and fixed mindset and actually teaching people, you know, I, I love what you were saying about like topics like wellness and um, I'm really passionate about that and going into schools and giving talks about well-being and about not comparing yourself and in a world that encourages us to compare and I think it's a skill that's just really important and I, I love what you said at the start about the you know 
being more of yourself. So it's not that idea that you're putting on an act and you're being less of yourself. It's actually showing up more for who you are. And I, th I think tools, having tools in place for people and to, you know, there was a bit on your website about helping with the sort of unemployment rates. And mm. I think all this stuff is really positive because people do buy people and you are judged instantly when you go into an interview. So if you can learn to, to work on, you know, the, the areas that you struggle with, then I think it's a really positive thing. And it's not something to be intimidated by, you know, just because the, the word judging, you know, I'm not meaning it as a, they're being necessarily judgmental, but just in a split couple of seconds, people are getting the signals from you and trying to transcribe that into some information in their head. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily something to be intimidated by. It's actually a good thing because that means something just really quickly that you can just do at a flick of a switch is, is going to help you, you know, progress. And even when you're dealing with things like conflict at work, you know, if you're trying to ask for a pay rise or try and get a promotion or deal with some like negativity in the workplace, which is probably where I'll a big portion of where people put their stress from you know being more charismatic can sort of you know help you get get through those sort of those times but as well as that you know when it comes to what i believe you know, you'll tell me if i'm wrong but you know building up a support network building up a, a relationship someone so that when things do get tough you've got someone to reach out for is key to having charisma to try and build that up because if you sort of just rely on your friends sometimes I'm, I'm, you, you might hear a lot you're just like toxic people about, you know, who do I have to cut out? You know, it's all about who, who do I cut out? And sometimes it's not all about making it really smaller. And sometimes it's just, just having them on the edge, having them on the edge of your social circle, but just making your inner circle much bigger so that, you know, when those times do get tough, when things you do need to have, you know, you want to reach out and speak to people. You know, I know from my own personal situation that it's nice when you have something in the diary. Like, so we used to have holidays. Yes, can't wait. You know, come August, I'm going to Florida. Brilliant. I can't, and now you can't do that. And then it used to be like, okay, next week I'm meeting, I'm going for brunch with my friend Sally. Or in two weeks' time, I'm going to, you know, this event or this gig. And, you know, when those things have kind of been taken away from you, you don't really have that thing to look forward to. Those things that can kind of push you through the week when they get challenging. So being able to build up a really strong, you know, support network so that you can have these sort of Zoom calls, the face-to-face -face chats, you know, those little small coffee mornings that make these times a little bit easier, I think I think's definitely, definitely, I mean, I was really sad. I was getting excited over Zoom quizzes at one point. I was like, yes, I've got a quiz tonight. Brilliant. <laughs> and so uh, it's just those sort of small things that we need to kind of take into account. And you know, when you're working every day and you know it's something you think when, when am I gonna have the time to you know you know work on my growth mindset when am I gonna have the time to work on my wellness or my charisma whatever it could be but you know it's it's about probably not letting it get to the late stage where you have to go right it's too late now I need to you know I'm at breaking point I have to do something about this yeah because like on a basic level if you're not connecting much then you can get a bit rusty you, you know we become a bit robotic and you you can forget how to communicate you know if you're sort of you become a hermit and then you feel anxiety and then of course with, with more anxiety then it can become more mood and then you your mental health can deteriorate so it's really important to sort of nip it in the bud and i would say now like make sure you're putting in the diary like I love eating out and I love meeting friends and that's been hard now, but it's saying, well, actually this year, let's just meet for a walk and a chat, you know, a socially distanced walk. Um, yeah. 
and having those chats as well, you know, because it, it's, you can see it could be a slippery slope in 2020, you know, and we need, I would say, to keep working on that connection because you can lose your confidence, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know it's challenging at the moment because there's been plenty of like redundancies and loads of other sort of, you know, knock on effects from COVID. And so, you know, just having that small, as you said, you know, socially distanced walk, you know, it's something so simple, so obvious. It's, it's one of those things. But just to kind of back up on that, when we're talking about, you know, you know, putting things in the diary, for example, sometimes it's not always about waiting for someone else to ask you for something. So there is a statistic around about the fact is that if you invite other people to something, then you're more likely to get invited by them yourself. So you actually kind of want to be, if we look at spokes, you know, like on a, a bicycle wheel, you know, you want to be in the center connecting to all these different people. You don't really want to be on the outside, get invited to the person in the middle. So during the time of COVID, I call it being the catalyst. So sometimes you've got to be the first person to put yourself out there or the first person to organize this thing. And it doesn't have to be necessarily anything groundbreaking or mad. But if you invite somebody to a socially distanced walk, for example, that person is going to feel really wanted, really valued by you. And so when the next time comes around where you're wanting to be invited to something, that's when you should be getting that's when you'll be getting invited back. And then that's how you can sort of a really small way of building up friendships, building up social circles that way. You get back what you give. So you give, yeah. you give a lot of love, you're more likely to get back. You help people, you're positive. That's going to come back to you. You know, it's sort of, I quite like that. Someone said that to me in a podcast. Um, they were like, if you're always trying to, help others then you'll find that more people are trying to help you and it does it's true actually it does absolutely and so that's when you've got to think you know right okay and it does like i said it doesn't have to be anything huge it's just something small and even the fact that you've asked or made the effort will get recognized i'm not saying that every single person is going to invite you to everything else but if you feel like oh i'm never getting invited nothing's ever happening or like you know i feel a bit left out or something like that that's a really good way to, to kind of get that out there I mean, some of the people to be deal with is like, what are you going to say there? Sorry, Joe. I, I was just going to ask about, um, like you spoke earlier about ethical, um, was it ethical? Ethical manipulation. Manipulation, yeah. Um, how do we know if it's like um, the opposite? So if it's like the bad stuff, someone's trying to manipulate you through charisma. Mm. Well, essentially, I think we'll boil down to, you know, what essentially what is charisma? So charisma for us is being able to make a really good first impression, being able to have a good conversation, tell amazing stories, show confidence, show leadership and develop a great presence. Now, if you can do individually of these things, then yes, you'll become a great leader, very confident, great at storytelling. But actually, when you put it all together, that's when the charisma magic is happening. So when you're looking at somebody who's going to be trying to maybe manipulate you, you've kind of got to look at for the signals of each individual bit. So what's, let's look at their first impression. What's you know, your gut feeling saying about them? Well, for us, a great way is like a fake smile. You know, you can tell a fake smile. Right? For whatever reason, humans are really good at spotting fake smiles, those sort of really cheesy, sort of like almost sleazy car salesman smiles. 
And so being able to look out for that there could be a really good way of, okay, what's this person's first impression? Okay, all right, it's a bit of a, bit of a mad smile here. And then the conversation, what's the conversation like? What are they talking to you about? And what are the sort of techniques that they are using? Are they using really persuasive language? Are they you know, asking something from you and then at the end, tying up with, oh, by the way, can I get a favor off you? Then that's something you can kind of look out and go, all right, okay, that was it there. And then what's their stories? What are they, what are they trying to, what they're saying for this? Are they, is it all about them? Are they telling you a story where it has a, a potential objective at the end that they might need your help with or whatever it could be? And then, you know, confidence, that overconfidence. And then leader, you know, where, where does it sort of tie in? So actually, if you look at each stages through the points of being charismatic, you can actually pick up little elements you are okay that's it there and it's not necessarily analyzing what does this person want from me as we said sometimes just naturally being our natural selves we walk into a room and some people love us and then other times we walk into a room people hate us so you know it doesn't always work that way but however if you can just keep at the forefront of your mind when you're meeting someone what is the situation what we're looking to do what's the sort of conversation going out there you can kind of pick up little little tidbits about maybe being potentially manipulated but like we said, also look at the person's, you know, agenda. You know, if they're somebody who's trying to sell you something, you might think, well, well, I'm here to, you know, be sold to because I'm looking to buy a car, looking to buy a watch. So, you know, those types of manipulation, some things we're not too, too fond with. But then actually, if we're like got a friend who's deliberately trying to build a rapport with us to eventually down the line maybe ask us for money or use our, you know, good nature to us to try and do something that will benefit them, that's when you've kind of got to look at yourself and go, right, well, how does that make me feel? Do I feel comfortable giving this person money? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? And if any point the answer is no, then that's where you kind of know your, know your system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know I, what you're going to do. But the thing is with people, we'll go and see what you're going to say there. Will you finish? No, I was going to say that's when you can actually, you know, it's not necessarily at that point casting people out and saying, right, I'm never speaking to you again. Sometimes it's just putting you them at arm's length and then bringing them back in and then pushing them away again and bringing them back in. So it's not necessarily about cutting people out. It's about maybe just, you know, having a little bit of distance between them. Yeah. And it comes back as well to your values. So if someone's trying to sell you something that you perhaps don't believe in or, you know, and it's hard because you can feel that pressure there and you see a lot of posts of people oh, support you, you know, people can put, you know, posts on social media like, oh, support your, your, your family, your friends and stuff and buying this. And then sometimes you end up buying things that you never use. And then, to you know, it's hard because if you were to break it down, you can see manipulation all over social media too. Yeah. And that's when it comes to people understanding how the brain works and how things and what gets people interested and excited. And, you know, we're talking about Trump, about, you know, clickbait and fake news. And the reason why that's been so prominent and so i guess successful is because you know the people who are creating this sort of stuff knows what gets us excited they know what gets us you know i think the word's triggered they know what gets people's reactions going and so if you can understand that then you can go right okay and even if you look at it yourself sometimes it's not necessarily about what you could do for other people but if you understand the process and understand that you actually have a better understanding of yourself so then when you get agitated by something or angry about something, or you're confused by something, you actually know why. For example, you know, we have a lot when we have bosses, bosses who are particularly like headstrong, who are particularly like focused, particularly driven. We kind of misinterpret it sometimes as that they're really like 
aggressive and really angry and really like, you know, almost like a bit of a, you know, just a bad person. But sometimes actually, see if you can understand your own personality, your own quirks, you actually understand that they're actually not necessarily a bad person. It's just their personality and their, so it's not about, it's quite easy and dismissive to go, yeah, that person, yeah, he's, he's just awful. I don't like him. But actually, see when you put your thing, well, actually this person, you know, they're talking, they've talked about it in different scales of different personalities, but if this person's particularly, you know, loves detail and loves, you know, being told things with conviction and, you know, it needs things to be reliable, but then you yourself are naturally quite a laid back, chilled, you know, kind of person that kind of take the rough with the smooth, naturally the personalities are going to have a bit of resistance with each other because one loves data facts and, and being really on point, whereas the other person likes being a little bit more breathing space, likes a little bit of being laid back. And so when you're both looking at that, it's quite easy to go, yeah, he's awful. That's but actually when you understand that the two don't get on, then the two can actually change and adapt. And then that's where you can sort of use things to a little bit of your advantage. So you know, if this person loves facts and figures, you know, oozes over it, perhaps next time that you're giving a presentation or meetings is maybe leave out the sides of storytelling. Why don't you just cut to the chase quicker? Or maybe if the person loves stories and loves you know images, you know then it's not necessarily giving them all the cold heart black and white figures because that's not really going to get their juices flowing. So being able to offer a little bit of a tailored approach is also quite key. Yeah, that's a really good point because we're all so different, aren't we? And it's it's just kind of like we'll say playing to that like it's a game, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like you want your objective. Yeah want to come across well in the presentation right who's in the audience right do they like the stories do they like the banter do they like just facts figures boom 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 bash bosh on with the day as well mm, absolutely i think we could all think of a time where we've been in a, maybe a job interview or maybe we've been at an office party or something like that and we've tried to have a little bit of a you know a little bit of banter or maybe we've tried to do something and it's kind of falling a little bit flat and things like that and they go okay well you know reading the room sort of speak but you know sometimes it's actually more interesting you'll learn more about yourself than actually you know as much as it's great to learn about other people see if you can actually understand eyes yourself you understand why you do things you do why do you feel certain ways and then that once you can identify that that can help you it probably ties into what you do you know it can actually help you grow it can help you understand things not get worked up over things as much Mm -hmm. I mean, does, does those sort of personality things come into, into what you kind of talk about and, and, and tell people? So much. I mean, I always say to people, like, stay curious, stay open-minded. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the slogan of this podcast has always been judge less and live more. So try to get into that person's shoes. And, and just because it's different doesn't mean, you know, it's bad. Um, so embracing what makes you different and um, I think that's really really important you know because it's we're wired to judge um, our brains are wired and it's not our fault it's just there to keep us safe but then you can yeah. and, and it's learned behavior as well so if you're you know if you've got someone in your family who's very very fixed mindset and they're that and they're that and uh, well why are they that way mm. why, yeah. why like staying curious well why are they that way why 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 um, and I, I think that leads for a happier life as well. You know, you can, rather than just judge people on the off, right, okay, let's take a step back and, and think about why they might be this way and it's not necessarily bad. Maybe they're a control freak to keep themselves safe or, 
um, you know, they're really overly analytical because they've got like higher levels of anxiety and perhaps have grown up in a household where both parents are, you know, maybe one's got PTSD and the others, you know, just had a really tough childhood. They grew up in the war and, you know, always trying to. Yeah. I love that idea of being curious, like staying curious, be curious about people, be curious about yourself. You know, you could be leading on to, you know, asking questions. We, we talk about, you said there, the power of why, just by asking why sometimes can, you know, lead on to really good conversations that, you know, take you off in tangents and help you build really deep connections with people. So rather, back to what we're saying, people don't really bond over, you know, facts and figures and it's more emotions. So if you, rather than saying, what do you do for a living? You say, you know, why do you do what you do for a living? And they say, because I'm a PE teacher, because I love working with children or I love working with sport or whatever it is. And then you can kind of pick it up from there and build, a, you know, a really good rapport with someone. You know, so the power of why is like, instead of like, where are you from? You know, why did you move to where you move? Or what is it about where you live that you love so much? And then that just a really interesting way to position questions that we get asked every single day and just making you a bit more charismatic it releases that dopamine uh, because when we um, we get asked things all the time what do you do for a living where'd you come from you know they're like pretty bog standard if you go to any networking event or even when you first start a job they are pretty much the common questions you get asked and it's almost become a bit like monotone we kind of, we kind of already it's like putting the kettle on like we already know what we're going to do and say and so when someone asks you something a little bit adjacent it pricks your ears up, it activates your brain. And so you're actually, you're already starting to bond a bit better with this person. It's like you've broken through the surface level into deeper waters. Mm, yeah. And so that's why it's about, you know, when we say about individually, it's absolutely, it's probably encouraged to be a little bit different and being an individual because that's really what's going to prick people's ears up and, you know, be quite into you. Because if you're trying to be the, you know, the biggest, loudest person in the room or the next, you know, whoever, it's not always going to be like, it's not always going to prick someone's ears up. So just having a little bit of uniqueness is sometimes just a quite, quite a cool way of just, you know, being more charismatic. Mm -hmm. I like yeah. that. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, you know, it's a complete, you know, charisma and people skills in general, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, it's like, you know, thousands and thousands of years of, of analysis and we're speaking to someone the other day is that actually when the robots come in and the robots you know do everything that we do and and take over the world we're actually going to spend so much time analyzing our behavioral skills our brains because there's still so much that we actually don't know about much about and so you know when those sort of things start coming in we're going to be probably a lot better off it's going to almost do a 180 how we used to study the brain and then you know when technology came in it was all focused on that and then it'll do a 180 and then we'll go right okay how do we what is it that humans actually need? What is it that we actually have? And those connections, those almost like almost tribal instincts that we have, is gonna, you know, it's gonna be really well analyzed. And so hopefully it's gonna put us in a better stead to being overall more happy, feeling better, a bit more, you know, control and things like that. So yeah, it's 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 pretty mad. It's it's crazy times to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, how do you see the sort of future of of wellness and you know all that sort of going? It's obviously a really hot button topic at the moment. Do you think it's going to continue that way or? Yeah, like I noticed, like I started really openly talking about it six years ago, but I've been passionate about it all my life. And I remember even giving talks uh, as a teenager about, you know, um, making sure you don't just have a one night stand. You know, there's a lot of hormones going around just now, but make sure that you really care about someone like, you know, I'm proper. Yeah. 
little agony aunt. I've always been the sort of person that people come to for like a bit of soothing wisdom, even though I've got this wild side, as I said, but um, I think well-being, like I'm quite free spirited with it. So I've probably got a, ba a bit of a balance of, you know, like the stuff we speak about, like the scientific stuff and uh, the data and looking at personalities and stuff. But then there's the whole spiritual side as well. So you've got your emotional, physical, mental and spiritual. And a lot of the key leaders will say that there's no life without a spiritual life. So tapping into the meditation, learning to like access, like do light work, access, like, you know, sending love to your child, your inner child and all that sort of stuff. And um, like, you know, perhaps thinking like where perhaps trauma came from and then pouring like love on all that. So, and then there's like the wild swimming, which I've been doing for a couple of years, but I noticed that's becoming a craze like cold water therapy. It connects us to our soul, that happy place. And you, you lose all the sort of monkey mind and the critical analytical. And there's a lot of chat about, you know, getting to that place every single day where you know that it's all okay. It's all okay. No matter what, it's all okay. So it's definitely going that way. Um, there'll be some people now they're like what is that all about but certainly america are leading the way with that and then you've got tree hugging retreats and hugging retreats and you know like a whole different level looking into people's eyes and you know there's a whole different level and as i say i'm pretty free spirit nothing shocks me and um, but the challenge is remembering that we're human beings so we need to stay grounded in our body when you feel really connected and you feel like really like it's almost like out of body when you get into that sort of wellness stuff. So the challenge is if you're quite yeah, a yeah, yeah. well person that you can maybe, and then you could end up in a mental hospital, you know, I mean, because people think you are insane because you've, you've tapped into things and, and then there's the other half people say, well, you're part genius because you're getting all these downloads and stuff. It's like properly like mindset to a whole new level. And I've interviewed so many people uh, like a guy called Rob who was, who worked with Bob Proctor. He was on this um, maybe fifth, episode 50 something. And that kind of blew my mind about the way we're programmed and that we're human beings not human human doings and how we have to tap into this place in our minds where yeah like loads of like quite intense stuff but I can understand it you know and mm. he very much like and we have anxiety because people have lost track with who they are so they've lost themselves so I think there'll be more emphasis on finding that place and meditation. I think meditation is already in schools now, but I think more people will start meditating. More will be doing the nature therapy, the cold water therapy, the breathing, um, the mm, tree hugging, yeah. and all that stuff. Mm. I mean, tell me, I mean, when you first started out, you started off five cents things really young. I mean, how did it make you feel when you were starting out and like? You know, I would imagine you were one of kind of the early ones in Scotland to kind of tapping into this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how did that make you feel? Were you always felt like a bit of an outsider, or you, or did you feel like you were leading a sort of a movement? Yeah, do you know what? I feel like more people are getting on case with it now. Even when I launched the podcast a couple of years ago, and it was like this is free therapy for people. It's like coming into the therapy room, and I'm like, 
getting really deep with people like some of the interviews were really like that it was almost like I was coaching and I noticed a lot of people have started doing podcasts like that now and mm. um, lots of people are talking about wellness mental health um, we're realizing how important that is and um, to try and judge less and, and love more and um, so I, I feel like I've been like a good role model in the well-being space. That was always my my goal to be like a key leader in the well-being space and to be known for straight talking. And I guess that's my thing. It was like realizing how hard it is for people to show who they are. And that was my thing. That was my gift. Like my dad always said, WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get. And he, he yeah. called it, he was like, that is your thing, that you're genuine and you're real with people. So when you're real with people, then people tell me everything. You know, it's like, they know I'm not going to judge them, mm. so I bet you can tell. I bet, yeah. Bring it all on. Mm. Do you have any? But the sense of things you said, you had some, you know, sometimes quite challenging conversations with people. Uh, I mean, what's what's the satisfaction like when someone you've had has like been struggling with whatever it could be, and then it's managed to kind of turn that tipping point, and they're starting to see some success, whether that's you know feeling better or having a different mindset or whatever it could be. How does that make you feel? It's amazing because a huge issue is shame. People are carrying shame for things that weren't their fault. But when I can get someone into a space of, that wasn't your fault. Like what happened, that trauma and that pain in childhood or when you were an adult, you know, last year or whatever, that, that wasn't your fault. So it's, it's pulling that compassion on them because when we feel shame, it's really, really bad for our minds, right? Because you're carrying around like all this weight on your shoulder and you're like, it's pretty heavy, right? And, and when you can just shine a light for people and say, actually, you don't have to feel shame there. You, It's not your fault. It really, really isn't your fault. Sometimes that's enough to really get that message. And then they go, oh, yeah, I've been carrying on to that. I've been holding this for so long and it wasn't my fault. And I do deserve a fulfilled life. I do deserve to park that or to try and release that energy that's trapped in the body um, and some of it manifests as chronic stomach pain or back pain or whatever and it's just trapped trauma in the body so I think it's amazing um, and another thing is just getting people to talk that wouldn't and then they're like oh, this feels really really good because when you suppress it and you don't talk it out you, you keep it trapped so even yeah. sharing your story or saying I'm really struggling with this starts to release it you know and then you can get into deeper therapies and things like that you can do cold water you can connect with nature you can come back to your inner child and all that sort of stuff but i just love it it's it's really really powerful and i i think humans are amazing and it really pains me when i see people like lacking in confidence or traumas holding them back and they've got this fixed mindset that they've just been told that's a lot of rubbish and I know it's not, so it's the best, it's the best thing in the world. I absolutely love it, but I have made myself ill by doing so much. So that was a learning experience. Um, I lost my dis, I lost my, I became like out of body. It was too, it was so much. My brain was fried and I was just, like, yeah. So I needed to rest for like, I'm talking four months, five months of, so much sleep medication to slow my mind down um so much chill <laughs> yeah. i had too much dopamine 
I, I mean, wow. I was flying with dopamine and my brain just shut down um, and I lost my filter, I lost my boundaries, I lost my rational, grounded, wise self. I got very paranoid, I, you know, my brain, I lost, you know, and, and then I was too free in ways as well. I was like, I love you, love you, you're amazing, you're gorgeous, you're, do you know, I was just, I was on a different a, level, man. whole different level, so you have to be careful. Yeah, but, yeah. But going through that has taught me so much because I can help others and I know what it feels to go into a state of psychosis or extreme paranoia or severe trauma. So I can relate to people because, you know, some people that are experiencing severe trauma, people say they're evil because they say things or they do things, but actually they're just so traumatized and their pain body is so, so heavy that, yeah, they're just they're just in so much need. So it's so easy that we judge people. They're just a bad person because they said that and they're toxic. Well, they're, they're just unwell or they're absolutely done in and they've got so much trauma they need to deal with. It's not that they're yeah. toxic. Well, they are acting toxic, but they're not toxic. Yeah. Funny, a few things that I mean, I always seem like the, the, um, you know, they say about the comedians, how it takes like a really, you know, traumatized or really affected person to be insanely funny on stage and to be pushed to the level where they go, well, there's nothing else for it but to, to laugh at myself. And um, that's just one of the things I just thought of when you were talking about that, I could just visualize like some of these comedians who've like gone through some serious trials and tribulations of whether it's been alcoholism or debt or whatever it could be, have, you know, they've been able to push to the other side and not only that, see the funny side in it, you know, there's, there's hope for us all yet, to be honest with you. But I think I'm, I'm all, I'm a bit probably away from the open water swimming. <laughs> I'll be pretty bad at that, but I've never seen to trying it. But uh, I think I might have to give myself a little bit of a couple of pep talks before I before I jump in straight away. Uh, no, it's um, it's it, it is mad times. It is mad times, and, and COVID has has you know, challenged a lot of things. And fast forward, people who are you know absolutely or felt that like they were absolutely fine, and then it's brought a lot of things to the surface. But you know whether it's you know mindsets, wellness charisma just as, as soon as you identify and go okay right okay what is in it for me the biggest challenge is that people don't necessarily think to themselves you know i need to be more charismatic or i need to be more likable because people will go around everything feel like they're already pretty likable you know they've got a good you know good job to get on well with their colleagues they um you know they've, they've built up whatever network it is so you'd think oh well, i'm pretty i'm pretty good to be honest with you actually so when you break it down it's like well i wish i was a better leader i wish i was more confident i wish i had more self-esteem uh, i want to be more memorable when, when i when i meet people those all things can help you with the power of charisma charisma can help you and so sometimes that's a, that's a, a real challenge of that you know when when just describing talking about it charisma is like well what do i need that or what, what's that all about or i'm pretty charismatic already seb and it's like, well, no, hang on. Are you, you know, how, how, do you tell really good stories? Do you, do you make stories out of nothing and bring it in? Are you good at dealing with office cliqueiness? Are you able to deal with office politics? Well, if the answer is no, then chances are you could be using charisma a lot better to help you, you know, project yourself throughout your career or onto a different business or whatever it could be that you want to. I'm not sure if you had similar challenges like that. I think that's great what you're saying. Like when you break it down, we can all improve. And if we're not growing, life gets boring, right? So if you're just going to work and you, as you say, Absolutely. 
people like you and that but there's always growth and if i'm not a little bit embarrassed of who i was last year and when i say that i don't mean beating yourself up because there's enough of that inner critic and that ego that can do that but i mean just maybe saying oh i didn't react i would react better now i would you know i wouldn't have said that or i wouldn't have given into that peer pressure or a you know, we learn from experiences and when we have mistakes, they teach us things, they teach us. So I think just, it's so good for our mojo. It's so good for our mojo. So I, I would ask you, um, what, what do you do for your mojo? My mojo, what, so what makes me unwind or what makes me excited? Yeah, what makes you, yeah, just like, how do you release the magic that's in you? So for me, we're going to touch on a lot of things that we do. So I do a lot of self-analysts, really kind of hone things that I like, things that I'm good at, and try to do more of those things. And if I'm going some going to an event where I think I might struggle with, or I might, you know, not necessarily like you know get the best version of myself from, I make sure that I've got the right mindset. You know that I you know watch plenty of motivational speeches. I listen to my music. I put myself in a mindset where I'm going to bring forward enthusiasm and passion towards it. I also like to, I'm a naturally a, a people, like a social person. So I like to socialize with people. So making sure that I have plenty of ample time to wax lyrical, chew the fat, those mornings where you just go for a coffee and you spend hours talking about anything. Those are the days that I absolutely love when you've got nothing in the diary and you go for breakfast and, you know, it's next minute, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. And you're like, wow, where's the day absolutely gone? So making sure that I have plenty of them is when, you know, my mojo starts to come out. And, you know, I, I just like, you know, being quite laid back, lean, like, probably wrong. I liked having fun too much. I liked enjoying myself too much, which probably has been a bit detrimental effect because too much partying or too much, you know, going out or whatever it could be. It's not necessarily a good thing. It's about having the balance. But I think that's just something that, you know, you've constantly got to be growing, constantly got to be working on. But for me, just I love talking to people. I love chatting. Be curious, you know, be, as you said, be curious about that individual. You know, what is about them? What makes them tick? Getting under their skin is something that I personally find quite interesting. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but actually, if you start being more interested in other people, you hear amazing stories, people tell you things, little nuggets of information that you wouldn't have picked up from a book, whether that's from a life experience or whatever it could be. Uh, I think that's probably part of the reason why podcasts have become so popular, as opposed to maybe, you know, other forms of media that people can just listen and just go, right, okay, what is the nugget of information we're going to get here? So those are a couple of ways that I use to try and bring my mojo together. I love that. And it's like always being prepared for a fascinating conversation and every conversation will teach you something. Everyone has something to share. So like I find the podcast from a selfish point of view is I love it for research too. So yes, it helps people and they love tuning in, but for me, I always get a few key takeaways, you know. Uh, <laughs> I love the term ethical manipulation. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, I always, yeah, there's, there's patterns and stuff and I always get something out of it. So this has been great for people because I'm sure there's so much to take away from this discussion and everyone will take different things as well. Like yeah. someone perhaps needed to hear some something you said and then other people i know i really like that part so i think that's great you've been fantastic so no thank you so much for having me on and, and talking about 
about the things that I'm interested in and I'm passionate about. And hopefully, you know, it'll tie into a little bit of what you've got. And so, as you said, somebody somewhere will, will take a, a snippet out of it and go, ah, right, we can change onto something else. Yeah, no, it's so good. So keep up the great work. Um, keep, helping, keep helping to boost the mojo of the nation in these, <laughs> in these darker times. Like shine a light. We need more light workers, people that are, you know, brightening things up. Um, look after your own mojo though because when you're, you're giving a lot of your energy to help other people which is what you do just have to always make sure that you check in with yourself daily as you say and and kind of listen to your body every day so maybe yeah you love parties so keep doing that but then like tune in with yourself every day what do I need today what what do I deserve to do for me because it can be really easy mm. to constantly help other people and then you deplete your own energy. Um, so just, yeah, look after, look after yourself. Keep giving, but take too. Selfish isn't a bad word. Someone said that to me in um, yeah. meditation. They were like, because I was so scared of that word. And they were like, you need to release that because it's good to be selfish sometimes. It's good to take time to just be still or do whatever you want to do and maybe one day you'll get into the cold water i was in north berwick yesterday and it was the most incredible i was doing a podcast recording on the beach and we dived in the sea and we didn't stay in for too long it was like ice cold but oh the buzz after i tell you it's going to be the craze it's going to be in 10 years time you heard it here it's everyone's going to be doing it Water swimming. I used to in a previous life. I used to live in uh, Manchester in Salford. They have a, a big a sort of river canal, lake, whatever you'd call it, and they do the open water swimming. I used to see on a Sunday morning. You know, I used to go out there and see people do it, and I used to speak to them and say, "What what is it about them that makes them want to jump in?" And the exhilaration, the ref, the refresh, the you know everything that it does for them. But I said, "What's the bad side?" He said, "Well, you, you might get like kicked in the face a couple of times, or you might have a hand come and slap you, and someone doing, you know, a front crawl or something like that." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's, you don't get any space. You have to, unlike maybe going to the gym where you can have your own, go at your own leisure, go at your own pace. <laughs> it's a bit of a different, different sport altogether." Oh, I do love it though. I love it. And I always ask people at the end what their um, kind of mojo song is. Have you got like a song that someone could add to their playlist if we were looking for something to really release that, that mojo? You know, there's loads of songs that come to mind, um, but one in particular really stands out to me. And it's, it's a little bit of mojo, it's not a little bit, um, but it's, uh, oh God, now I'm forgetting the title of it, but it's from The Greatest Showman and it's I Am Who I Am. Oh, it sounds okay. easy. It sounds so cheesy, but I always like listen to it when I'm trying to be like somebody who's like, you know, if there's lots of things going on in my life and I'm trying to please everybody, I've got to go to this meeting and I've got to go to this and I've got to go speak to this person, you know, naturally you answer to quite a lot of people, whether it's the boss or a bank or an accountant or whatever it could be, sometimes just going, you know, I am who I am, you know, what you see is what you get. As much as I'm always going to try and put my best foot forward, it's just understand it's not always going to be the case, but you know, I, I'm trying my best. It's always, it's always something that I listen to to get a little bit of that mojo. Is it, this is me? This, this is, is me. me. Yeah. Great yes. Song. It's a bit cheesy, which I get, but <laughs> I like it. It's funny because that is the one that's come up the most of all the interviews I've done. I've had so really? many of that song because it just goes back to where we, we started with this discussion, being authentic. And, and I always say to people, when we show up fully, we don't need to show off. Like when you come as you are, 
that's when you make impact, you know? So it's great. I wish I picked a more exciting one. I may have to have a wee think about that. <laughs> that's just the inner critic. The, the reason that comes up so much is people just want to be themselves. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. And I can regret that. Yeah. hundred like, percent. My one is a million dreams from the greatest showman. Cause just oh right okay the greatest showman were uh, <laughs> uh, both in the same boat with that that's my brother playing piano and my daughter singing at the book my book launch uh, a million dreams fantastic a million oh, dreams me away. <laughs> and then, uh, a couple of months later pink and willow her daughter started like sang it and bonnie is raging she's like they copied us mum <laughs> She's like, I can't believe Pink copied us. She's so whenever Pink comes on the radio, turn that off. <laughs> There's no vendetta. I know. And I said, Bonnie, yeah. they did copy us in the scene our little vlog in Scotland. And I was like, Pink's pretty huge in America. Um, I was like, even if they did, that's really like a real good compliment. They obviously mm. love the performance. So, so yeah, yeah take, take the good from it. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Jojo. This is an amazing platform. You've done so well to, to, to grow it and get it as, and, you know, the success you've had with the book and all the sort of success stories you've had with it is amazing. So, I, you know, keep up the good work. People love this podcast and everyone gets value from it. Well, well thank you. Well, I look forward to reading your book one day. <laughs> well, hopefully, fingers crossed. I, I think I might have to come for you for some tips. <laughs> Anytime. Well, you've been great. So, Thank you so, so much. I think this song just shows that we all have a deep desire to show up as we are, to be ourselves. Yep. I can see why it's popular. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away. They say no one will love you as you are but Won't let them bring me down the dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious Join in peeps When the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm gonna send a flood, gonna drown them out I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me, the greatest showman. This is me, guys. And I'm marching on to the beat of drums. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. Yep. Show up fully as you are. That's kind of my, one of my strap lines I've been using recently. As you are, as you are. That's enough, as you are is enough. The light, the dark, all the shades. Another round of bullets hits my skin. We'll fire away, cause today I won't let the shame sing in. We're bursting through the barricades, reaching for the sun. We are glorious, yeah, that's what we've become. I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious 
guys. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm sending you so much love, so much mojo and good vibes. Look after yourself, okay? I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. You are enough. So look out, peeps. Show up as yourself, as you are. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apology. This is me. Yeah.